Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond, a church planner candidate with Malwin Mission, and today you're going to hear another episode of our Growing Up series. This series focuses on the staff here at Malwin Mission and you know how we grew up and how we came to work with Malwin and you know how we came to the theological beliefs that we have now. Today you're going to hear Steve Bray talk to Matthew Leahy, who is the church planter for Kilbride Community Church, and Dana Walsh, who also helps us here in the office, um, and how they grew up as in a Roman Catholic household, how they grew up with that faith, and you know how they came to where they are now. So I hope you really enjoy this. I hope it encourages you. Um, so here we go. Well, welcome back, everybody, and it's another episode of Rugged Theology, and I'm here today with Matthew Leahy and a special guest, Dana Walsh. Thanks, Steve. Good to have you both. Um, Both are a part of Mile One Mission, both are a part of Calvary Baptist Church, and both are very good friends. It's uh, really neat to be able to do this. And we've been doing a bit of a series. You've already heard a little bit about Steve Da and Adam Diamond. And I've been designated uh, to be the interviewer of some of the other staff members and just their stories. And so this is the first time we're trying to do two for one. But these two have something in common, and that is a bit of their denominational background. And part of the big part of why we're doing this is we have said that Mile One Mission exists to plant churches here in um, Newfoundland and Labrador. And that our province is very religious as a province, has a rich deep religious heritage, but we've maintained that there is a very big need for true evangelical gospel work here. Mm -hmm. And I think Matt and Dana can shed a little bit of light on that. So I'm going to start with you first, Matthew. Matthew, you're our first church planter. Mm -hmm. You're, um, I was going to say you're from Newfoundland and Labrador, kind of. That's another podcast. Yes, it is, isn't it? (laughs) But it also speaks a little bit to our culture and what we're working with, but Uh, Maybe you can share a little bit about that. But Matthew, um, you know, I've said many, many times that there in Newfoundland and Labrador, there's basically five religions. Mm. You're Roman Catholic, you're Anglican, you're United, you're Pentecostal, or you're Salvation Army. That's right. Now, there are other denominations and other things in our province, of course, but when you talk to the average Newfoundlander, that is usually how they see the world in regards to religion. So you've come... Uh, full circle. You've come back here to your kind of native province. I'll, I'll let you fill in the ba- the brackets or, or fill in the blanks of that. But you grew up predominantly with a Roman Catholic background, and you definitely grew up in a Roman Catholic area of Newfoundland and Labrador. Mm. So share with us, what was that like for you? Yeah, so just a bit of a caveat. Uh, Dana will explain more. Um, she grew up fully immersed in Roman Catholicism. Right. Um, but uh, so I, I want to count or call myself then uh, more of a cultural Roman Catholic. Right. Okay. Right. And so I, I think it's important to differentiate that because uh, you have people who are fully immersed into Roman Catholicism, following all the traditions and the rituals. Uh, and then you have those who uh, would define themselves maybe knowingly or unknowingly, as cultural Catholics because 
Uh, it's something they inherited from their mother or their grandparents. And so they're, they're Catholics just because that's what they've only ever known. Right, right? yeah. Um, and so I grew up kind of in a, in a cultural Catholic environment. I went to uh, Roman Catholic grade school, Roman Catholic high school. Uh, and, and as part of that, you know, I, I went to mass uh, whenever the school offered it. Uh, so we, whatever the, the Catholic Church uh, did uh, as far as the... Um, the church year was concerned, okay. uh, or the church calendar, we would participate in that. Yep. We would learn about the Bible. We would learn about God. We'd learn about Jesus. Religion classes were mandatory for us. Um, but outside of school, it was do what you want. Right. Yeah. There, there was no, uh, you know, now we're going to be good Roman Catholic kids outside of putting it on for the teachers or for the for the priest. And so... That was back in in the early 80s and right up until I graduated high school in in 2000. And then, yeah, so Steve, as you mentioned, we moved back to uh, Newfoundland um, to come and plant a church here in in a largely Roman Catholic environment. Right, yeah, exactly. Right, and so Kilbride South uh, into the Southern Shore is, like as we've mentioned in other podcasts, there are no evangelical churches there, but there are Roman Catholic churches and it's Roman Catholic territory, um, for lack of better, yeah, yeah, yeah. better terms. Uh, and, and we don't and mean that negatively. We no. just mean that that's been the predominant religious flavor, right? Yeah, right for for hundreds of years. Uh, and and so yeah, no, I came to faith in in, in a community on the southern shore uh, that is, you know, under the umbrella of of Roman Catholic parish, uh, and but there's there's really no one who I would say uh, would be. Roman Catholics at heart. I, I want to just ask you, though, you talked about early 80s to 2000, mm. you'd class yourself as a cultural Catholic. Yep. Um, kind of, okay, look, when the when the church things were on, I did the church things, but mm-hmm. then I just lived my life. Yep. So when you think of, can I ask you this, then your friends, the people you grew up with, did you stick out? Were you the odd man out? Was that just what the crowd was? Is this cultural Catholicism, this cultural religion... Was that normal for you, or was it like you were the guy that was the nominal Catholic, and there was a whole bunch of your peer group that were very much practicing Catholics? Not at all. So none of my peer group were practicing. Okay. Um, but, you know, even looking back, uh, I remember having conversations just after graduating high school uh, where people would say, you know, Matt, you, you always stood out as the guy who had <laughs> more morals than the rest of us. <laughs> Uh, and, and it came to no surprise for a lot of my friends that I went to high school with that I'm actually now a pastor of a, of a church. And right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, but as far, as far as answering your question, no, there were no... So your knowledge of, of religion, your knowledge of being right with God was, hey, I'm allowed to live however I want, mm-hmm. and as long as I do what I need to do at the appropriate times, then yep. that makes me good with God. That's right. It was nothing but a checklist, right? right. I, I do. I saw... Uh, going back to when I uh, was a, a young boy, growing up in, semi in the Roman Catholic Church, I was I was confirmed. I right. had my first Holy Communion. I was baptized. And I assume you were christened. Uh, yeah, christened baptized. Right, yeah, yeah, that's right. So baptized as a as a baby, uh, and and but that was it. You know, from that point on, there was really not a lot of involvement outside of, like I said, going to mass here and there. But there was that understanding that to be right with God, it was simply like your checklist. If I go to Mass once a week, if I go to confession, if I... If so, I, so let me ask you that then. As a 
guy who myself, I wasn't raised in that Catholic tradition. So did you go to confession? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yep. and what, what was that like for you? Was that a... It was weird. Okay. I mean, I, I don't say that flippantly because right, I know right. a lot of Catholics take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but as a, as a young man... No, but I'm asking yeah. from the perspective of where you were at as a young guy in your peer group. Was it yep. weird? Was it normal? No, no, we all did it. Okay. I mean, it, again, it was more of a compulsion. No, not compulsion. It was more of a... Um, it was mandatory for us to do it. So we right. would go and then it was there was no if, ands, or buts about it. You're right. going to confession. Uh, and yeah, so there... No, it wasn't different or weird for okay. any of us. Yeah. So let me switch gears now. Move over here to Dana. So Dana, you're not from Newfoundland. No. Nope. Um, but Newfoundland is very dear to you. But New Brunswick is your what you would call hometown. Yes. And again, similar to Matt, but different from Matt. So you you come from you grew up very actively engaged and involved. And I remember when I first met you, the very first time I met you, you spent a lot of time telling me your history in regards to Catholicism. So as you listen to Matt, what ways are you similar and what ways are you different? Um, okay. So I didn't grow up in a Catholic school. Okay. At all. Right. Um, now that just for our listening audience, that is one of the big differences between Newfoundland and the rest of the country, because in Newfoundland up until what was it? 1997, yeah. we had a religiously segregated school system. So if you were Catholic, you went to a Catholic school. If you're Anglican, you went to an Anglican school, but you went to school in New Brunswick, which did not have a religious school system. Well, they did actually. Oh, okay. um, but it was nixed, but like just several years before I had like started school and such. Oh, like we have, okay. we have many um, Catholic high school, like background names, like the school that I went to was called St. Malachy's Memorial. Oh, right. um, and same, like for us, it was Bishop Smith Catholic high school. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so like St. Malachy's was actually originally a all men's high school and the women's school was St. Vincent's. Okay. Um, but like they completely nixed that like years prior kind of thing to like when I got into high school and everything. So yeah. even in elementary, did you go to a public school or a Catholic school? Uh, just public school. Public it school. was, there was okay. nothing. There was but on a personal like level, you you were raised very actively involved in Catholicism? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was one of those like every Sunday, like you got up and you groaned and you grumbled and it was like, why do we have to go? Right. And mom and dad were like, nope, this is how it is. However, like I do have to say, like it gave like some good morals growing up yeah. and stuff. And like my, my parents had great intentions of making sure like, you know, we, you know, we're polite or we did nice things because like they wanted us to get into heaven. <laughs> right. Because yeah. like, you know, you had to tick some boxes. Right. So, but again, like Matt, christened, confirmed, all that kind of stuff. Yep, uh, christened, like baptized as a baby. Um, we had to go through the Eucharist. Yep. Um, yep. Stations we, of the Cross. Stations of the Cross. What else was there? First oh my Holy goodness. Communion. A lot confession. of like religious. Yep. Like, Would your mom still have like things. your christening dress and your confirmation dress and all that kind of stuff? Or? Oh my goodness. Um my christening dress? I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. My confirmation dress? No. Okay. Um, and then there was also like once you, yeah, no, no, they don't. But, but unlike Matt, as a teenager, you actually stayed fairly involved. I did in, actually. Your, like I jumped right back. In. Yep, yep. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I remember you telling me a bit about that, like youth group and yep. all kinds of stuff. So your teen years, say 13 to 19, what was that like for you? Uh, yeah, so um, so I'd slowly pulled away, and then I jumped back into it because I was going through my confirmation year in grade 9, um, and then I had a couple of people in my high school class that was actually also going through confirmation. Okay. So 
you kind of buddied buddied with it and then once I started youth group at I think it was about 16 years old um I had a couple of people from high school who were friends with and then I really got involved with it almost to the point where it was like I was obsessed with it um and like you know I'd go I'd go and attend church on um I think it was Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights um, and doing what? Like, what was that? Was it just mass? Was it mass. Bible studies, Sunday mass. schools? It was mass. And then um, after Sunday night um, mass, it was um, youth group. Okay. Um, we'd get together for like two hours and learn about something in regards to the Bible. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I was really involved with that. But it, to the point where like later on, I realized um, it was more about just like hanging out with friends. It had nothing to do with learning about God. It was just a click. So were you, you, you've used certain similar language from Matt, like checking boxes and stuff like that. But Matt, Matt describes his cultural Catholicism as, as long as I did this, then I could live whichever way I wanted. Mm, yeah. But for you, did, was that the similar experience? Like, did you find that this religion that you had affected you in your Monday to Friday, how you lived, like decisions you made, or was it, no, I've got my Dana life, and then I've got my Dana Catholic life. Like, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was my Dana life and my Dana Catholic life. It was two okay. separate things. It was just like you were, I was Miss Goody Two Shoes on these, you know, certain times okay. of this area. And yeah. then it was just like I did my own thing. Like, I didn't understand that there was like, you know, there should be a difference between the two. Okay. Like, yeah. And for all of that, and let, confession, big part of your life as well? Um, I hated confession because okay. I didn't like the idea that I had to go and disclose my, what they said was sins. But to me, it was like more like they pushed out of secrets to strange okay. men. And <laughs> okay. that terrified me. Like there was something internally, emotionally uncomfortable about that. I had to go forth and expose myself uh, in that way. That's I interesting. Hated I hated it. And Matt, how did you feel with like... You did it. You said it was a bit weird, but why was it weird to you doing confession? It just it felt empty. Okay. It felt like I was just, again, ticking a box. There was it was all mandatory. There was no choice in it. There was no love. There was no joy. It was. Yeah. This is fascinating for me. Like getting a man's perspective of confession and a woman's perspective of confession, in the sense of just safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that idea. I don't know if I can be this vulnerable. Am I, am I putting the right words yeah, in Yeah, I think so, there? because it's a priest is always a man. Right, yeah, and yeah, And so, yeah. like, as a young teenage girl, like, and you're in a small room right. with an adult man, like, that alone, like, right. like you get the heebie-jeebies up your back, and you're like, something about this is just not right. appropriate. Whereas, Matt, that wasn't the same for you. It's just, the no. whole thing was just weird. It, it was, like I said, it, it just, it was empty. It was joyless. It was, there was... How do I how do I word it? Maybe let, let me try again. So when we went to confession, it, it was, uh oh, I need to be able to recite the introduction. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been X months. Here are my sins. And then, uh oh, I need to now think up what did I do in the last six months? And so there's this unbelievable pressure to have something ready, confessing to a stranger in this dark box where there's just I'm I'm made to do it, and I don't understand why I'm doing it. Okay. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. And so, so you you you'd be like once every six months, or or even further apart. Oh, further apart, but and yeah. how regular was confession for you? I avoided it. Like I did whatever I could to like just not go. So that's an interesting thing. So you threw yourself though into the other parts of Catholicism. So mass did mass do anything for you? Like did you learn? Did you feel like 
hey, this brings me closer to God. Um, did you feel like this was making a difference in your life? I think in the moment I thought it did because I thought I was doing something right. Okay. Because again, it's another tick in the box. Right, right. But there was, um, I don't know, there was this emptiness. Like for me, it was like a puzzle and my puzzle pieces were not clicking together. And I always had questions. I was always confused. Why do we do this? It's very ritual. Right, yeah. So let me ask you this then before, because I've got two more very direct questions for you guys. Sure. Um, but in regards to relationships, I mean, you know, when, when we, in our faith, we talk a lot about community, friendships. You know, Matt, you've talked about, you know, I had my peer group and then it was like, like but and then religion was on the side. But Dana, you talked about, I had friends that were going through this at school. I'd go to youth group. So there seems like a, a, diff a disconnect here from the two of you. So... Matt, were you ever close to a priest? Did you ever feel like you could go and talk to your priest or confide in him? Or did you have any sense of community in church as a, as a cultural Catholic? So, no, but as you're asking that question, uh, I have this really fond yet funny memory uh, coming up in my head. So when I was going to uh, Catholic grade school, so like from kindergarten to grade seven, the school was situated right beside the, the church. And every now and again, th and this is in, in answer to a larger, the community. What's the community right, like? Right, yeah. So every now and again, the priest would come out to the schoolyard with like this big bundle of bread. And and that's like the only community. It's like the like kids flocked to him like seagulls to a chip on a, on a beach. And that, that was the only sense of community from, you know, as far as getting involved with the church was concerned. It okay. was... But you never actually like had a relationship, like spoke no. to a priest, had a priest come to you. No community was. And and how about you, Dana? Um, when I was a lot younger, no. But like once I got into high school, um, the youth group, um, Pat, uh, sorry, priest, um, he was very much for the youth of today because he knew that it meant that they were the you know the future. Oh, so he okay. was very much like to push for like, we need to get them involved, but like he never had support. So it very much fell to the wayside, which is really unfortunate, but like, no, he was, he was great. Like he, yeah. he made you feel comfortable to chat with and everything. So yeah, no, I did. I did have support in high school for where wow. through him. Yeah. Okay. So switching gears a little bit, Matt, you are now a church planter. Yep. You would use different language. Now you would say you are saved, that you have yep. faith you would now claim that you are right with God and you know you're right with God and it's not about checking boxes and all this kind of stuff. So you're now in this ministry, I mean, Calvary Baptist Church, Mile One Mission, but now you're trying to plant Kilbride Community Church. And when we use that language, like plant, it means you're just trying to start a church. Start a church. So how has this experience in cultural Catholicism impacted the way you now see the world life your relationship with god what you're trying to do now in your 30 some odd years you're married father how is matt Leahy different <clears throat> so you know as i i've grown up i've come to realize that you, you've always got choice you can either let your experiences from your past define you or in either a negative or a positive way or you can look to god for uh, your input for uh, how you should live, for how your morals should be defined. Uh, and so when I look at my past, uh, I look at my experience in, in cultural Catholicism, and I think I don't want to live that way. Okay. I, don't, I don't want uh, my family to have this 
subsurface level of God. I don't want my family and, and Kilbride Community Church to have just this superficial knowledge of God because he's so much bigger than what I've experienced. He's so much grander than anything in this world. I mean, he humbled himself, came into the mess that's life, died for the sins of the world. And and that's not something that we should just, you know, balk at. That's not something that should just be second degree. I mean, that that's that's first, that's primary, that's foremost. And a lot of people don't understand that in, in what I would call, you know, a, a cultural Catholic environment um yeah okay sorry I, I no 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 yeah so dana bringing you into this um because this now again for our listening audience especially for people that are from newfoundland because here we are you know you're now a part of calvary baptist church raised roman catholic now we're here at, at, at you know you're here so tell me a bit about your journey how did you how did you journey from you know being raised Catholic and not just culturally Catholic, but, but actually fairly involved. And you've gone on a journey. So t- tell me a little bit about that. How did you end up here? Uh, yeah. So um, after high school, I uh, I was still somewhat involved um, with going to uh, mass on Sundays, and then I slowly walked away from it after a while. Okay. Um, just because like there was no enrichment, there was no family, there was nothing. It was just you just went to go. Um, again, a tick in the box. Um, and then I had moved here, gosh, it'll be five years this June. Um, and my partner at the time had had, um, you know, come to saving faith and it, and it kind of like, it really, it really tore me up and it really like ruined me because it meant that we, we couldn't be together. Right. We yeah. were doing something we shouldn't do kind of thing. All these things. Anyway, that's a podcast for another day, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we separated and I had all these questions. And again, my puzzle was not fitting properly. Right. So I had um, reached out and was like, I have all these questions. And um, so I started attending Calvary and things were done very differently, which was so strange to me because I'm so used to ritual, stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, read the same sections of the Bible all the time. Right. Um, but when I came to Calvary, you guys actually physically had your Bibles. Like in Catholicism, there's none of that. Like you have to have special education or you have to have like this word from God that like you only have this certain power that priests do and know. Right. So it was... Um, come in, come in here and, and like having these questions. And, um, so I talked to actually Matt Lee, he's, um, wife, Ruth, and I talked to Jen, um, the women's ministry leader, um, uh, with regards to a lot of my questions yep. and, um, they'd pull out their Bible and be like, okay, let's find this and figure out like whether this is the case or it's not. And then they explain it to me. And I finally started to fill in the puzzle and I started to feel complete and I started to have answers that I never had before because before I would be like why do we do this and why do we do that and it was always told to you know go sit down and mind my own business or it was like it was of a higher calling for me not to know or understand because I didn't have you know God speaking to me mm. I had to that's get interesting that from for me else. because I, I sit here I'm no the I'm the interviewer but I am your pastor <laughs> right so yes. um and for our the sake of our listening audience I think this is an important thing because you know I would want you to always feel safe around me and all those types of things. But as you compare in the sense of 
how you would have approached a priest and how you could approach me. And, and I think you've, you've answered your question, but this idea that, you know, you've heard me say to you, truth is never afraid of a question. Yeah. Um, so have you found that as you've gone on this journey, because now you were like Matt would use different terminology. You would say, I'm a Christian. I am saved. I'm born again. I'm converted. All these different catchwords that seem so normal to us, but anybody listening in be like, that sounds cultish. Um, <laughs> you ultimately, what are you saying to the, our audience that's listening in is look, are you, would you consider yourself still religious or would you say, no, I, now I've discovered I've, I've got a faith now. I have a faith in Jesus now yeah. versus, yeah. Just that, a religion. Just a religion. Like, you know, a routine, um, a tick in the box. Yeah, yeah. You know. Now, now, just so I can be clear, but it's not like life magically became delicious and, and easy. No. The, the same struggles are still there. Yep. <laughs> You're still dealing with human relationships. Oh, for sure. All that stuff. Still dealing with your own struggles every yes. day. Yes. Like, oh, definitely. What would be the difference between mass and confession and this to, hey, now I've got my Bible and I've got, like, what's the big difference that stands out at you now? The support. Ah, um, okay. My Bible, like I can reference to it or I can go to somebody and say, this is where I'm struggling. I there's um community whereas right. i didn't have that before like right. you walked in the door and jen always makes fun of me and says like when i first walked in the door at calvary and i first had somebody come over to me and just say hi who are you i immediately like tense up and go right i don't yeah. have any money leave me alone it's <laughs> right, yeah, like right. that seems like my background with catholicism right. is like nobody wanted anything to do with you unless you were able to give money right whereas they generally just were like no, who are you? Like, yeah, but the I, family. I, this is cool, and I love this. And Matt, you jump in in here because we're almost out of time. Because um, I do want our audience to realize too, when we talk about this thing called saving faith, and we talk about because you guys have both used terminology. Like, I didn't check the boxes. I had one way of living, then another way of living. I mean, it's not like you're like. Are you guys claiming that you've had this transformation of life? And and others might say, well, they just swapped one religion for another religion. And now that dude that's doing all the talking in the middle gets to boss them around and tell them how to live their lives. <laughs> so what's the difference? Like how, how do you, how would you say your life is different now than what it was? That's a great question. And my mind goes to the great reformation rallying cry of Ephesians too. You're saved by grace through faith. It is not a, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest no man uh, can boast. Right. And, and so it's the understanding that, there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to save yourself. There's nothing you can do in and of yourself to stand before God and say, Lord, I ticked this box, this box, and this box. I did the rosary 40 times. I went to confession 20,000 times to say that should be enough because it's not. It's only Christ and Christ's blood that saves you. So there's this overwhelming uh, freedom knowing that you're not bound by checklists and laws and rituals to save yourself. It's only because of Christ and Christ only. Christ so, so then, so then the way you live is not about somebody telling you how to live, but rather you're trusting the one who's lived for you. That's right. Definitely. That's yeah. spot on. Yeah. yeah. Jump in there. Dana. Anything to add to that? I always felt like it was like heaven was unattainable. Because, like, and then there was no bar really set, but, like, there was all these rules, um, expectations, and um, I thought Jesus was mean <laughs> and cruel yeah. with all these rules and expectations. And right. I was always frustrated. I was like, how am I supposed to attain all this? Like, like this makes no sense to me. And, again, it was my puzzle was right. not complete. I didn't understand. And I was like, am I ever going to be good enough for heaven? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Huh. So, so what did you – what – 
what do you learn now? Because you're, are you still, go- are you now good enough for heaven? Like, what's changed? I have my moments, of course. Like, <laughs> of course not. And I'm like, oh gosh. Like, and it's like, like my mom would say, your Catholic conscience is working against you again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's um, no, it's just having this trust in the Lord and like this relationship with the Lord that's so good, and having this community that I never had before that you know can encourage you along the way. That when you feel like you're failing. Um, you know, we're all, we can all, you know, fail, mm-hmm. you know, we all make mistakes. We're human at the end of the day. Right. And we have Jesus to look to because he, you know, was human to connect to us right. and that he could make this understanding connection for us. Yeah. And, um, no, we just look to him and love like the love from him. I don't know. I just, I just hope someday somebody else would understand it yeah. the way that we do. Well, again, I, I hope and, and pray that anybody listening, if you've got questions or anything like this, that, you know, one of the things that you should see constant and consistent between Matt and Dana is that it is a journey. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I want everybody to know is that Christ is far more patient than we ever give him credit for, because we often get impatient with ourselves, because we, we know the struggle is real. Definitely. And as Matt and Dana both have said, you know, it's not about our perfection, it's about trusting in Christ's perfection. And then, you know, for any of you out there that are wondering, it's not that Matt and Dana, you're not saying that you don't, you haven't changed the way you see the world or live. You, you obviously make decisions very differently now. Yeah. Right. And it's not like, okay, this is my Monday to Friday life. And now this is my Sunday life. No, it's my Monday to Sunday life. Yeah. Yeah. It's our 24 seven life. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what that means is not, again, I'm not hearing you guys say, Hey, because now we've figured it out. We're perfect. It's now we figured out who to go to because we're not perfect. Yeah, we're so imperfect. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. And that's uh, that's what drives us at Calvary Baptist at Kilbride Community Church. It's what drives Mile One Mission, and especially for this particular podcast. If any of you out there have questions about this, please reach out to us. Don't don't sit there in your questions. I mean, Dana Dana talked about her journey was in the midst of a lot of pain. And a lot of confusion. Yep. You, the blessing was I could go somewhere with my questions. Yeah, it was safe. And even your anger, your frustration. Yep. Yeah, and and same thing for you, Matt. Like w- when you think about your conversion, same thing. There was a lot of questions. There was people who came into your life. Yeah, there was tons of questions, and even when there were questions, there was almost in in my experience of Catholicism, don't you dare question. Not because right. you're afraid to be judged. That's right. Don't you dare like. The yeah, priest yeah. is, he's, he's a different character. Like you cannot approach him and ask him questions. And you know what? Here's the, here's the truth of the matter. God loves questions. Yeah. And he loves answering those questions. So it's interesting because now you're a pastor yourself okay. and you want people in Kilbride to come to you with their questions. Every day. Yeah. And, and even Dana, like you, you would love it if you love it when friends, acquaintances, people come to you with their questions. Oh, definitely. And so listen out there, thank you for hanging out with us and listening. If you do have questions, if you've got any needs, please let us know. I'd love to have you come and join us again next week. We're going to do this again with another member of our staff as you just get their story who comes from a completely different background from even Matt and Dana and myself, but it's been a great joy to talk to you, Dana, and great to hang out with you again, Matt. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. And uh, listen, uh, we're just going to give God glory for this and join us next week. I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll be glad you do. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. 
If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca. Thank you.